life. It's more full of surprises than anything you could make up. Scary stories, funny stories, sad stories, we've got them all and they're all true. Everyone has at least one great story. What's yours? All right, who ordered takeaway? Got your true story coming right up. I'd like a funny story with a dash of bellyache, please. Um, could I get something with aliens, guns, and travel, please? A one thriller with an overlay of a relationship going wrong. One takeaway order of suspense, please. You're gonna love all the stuff here. It's all really awesome. This is Tall Tales Takeaway, the podcast of bite-sized stories for curious minds on the go. Hi, I'm Michael Burns, and welcome to today's show. This is Tall Tales Takeaway, the podcast of true stories presented by Tall Tales, India's longest-running live storytelling event series. On today's menu, we have a story you'll never forget. I think for most of us, the Zodiac is something fun. People sometimes make important decisions, even things like uh, what to eat based on astrology. In places where people are desperate for answers or for particular outcomes, telling people what the stars show can be an easy way to make a buck. But most of the time, dubious soothsayers don't stick around long enough to see the damage that they've done. Gayatri Aptekar has a story about the role of astrology in her life, and she calls it the Age of Aquarius. Eleven days after I was born, my amma went to an astrologer again. Lots of families in India have a family astrologer. It's a very popular tradition to make a visit after a child is born. My mom had gone to see him while she was pregnant and he proudly announced that I would be a boy. After I was born, she took me inside to see him or so I was told later and then washed her hands off me. I'm probably very lucky that I don't live in certain parts of India where much worse can happen. But for me, the parties involved compromised and allowed me to live but nowhere close to my mother my grandparents took me in and no one told me anything else the next 5 years i grew up in tanjavur a village in tamil nadu this place well known for its temples and bharatnatyam style dance Some of my very first memories are of me sitting on the stone floor of the temple watching the dance recitals. The dancers expressing their feelings through abhinaya fascinated me. The deep black eyes with the coal smudged, the temple jewelry and the vibrant costumes, all of this mesmerized me. I never sensed the absence of my parents or a sibling, though I had one sister. My days were busy playing with my friends and at bedtime grandma told me stories of kings and demons. I loved this little world of mine. Occasionally I asked grandma about my amma and appa but she was smart enough to change the topic and continued with the stories. The answers to my questions came 2 months before my 5th birthday when my grandparents announced that we were going to Mumbai to see my parents. I remember that I didn't want to go but as a soon to be 5 year old I didn't have a choice Growing up in a village Mumbai seemed like a fairy tale the tall buildings the rattle of the rickshaws the bright signs and the incredible traffic they were all new to me 
People here were running a race, everyone trying to catch the train or a bus or pushing one another in order to be first to stand in an endless line. And in that crowd at Kalyan station, I saw him, my appa. My grandpa pointed him out. That was the first time I saw him. I was too shy to even look at him. I hid behind my grandma. Appa came closer to me and took me in his sturdy arms and kissed my cheeks. This was the first time someone held me so close. My eyes kept searching for someone else. I guess Appa sensed it. Amma is at home waiting for you, he said. We got into the rickshaw and drove. Like Appa said, Amma was at home, but she wasn't waiting for me. Why did you bring her here? were the first words I heard her say. She threw the pillow on the floor and sat on it, looking out the window. I was too shaken. I was with the people who gave birth to me, but I felt like a stranger in their lives. Because I was. My birthday was an afterthought and Amma's indifference kept increasing day by day. She never spoke to me. I looked to her to hear my name from her mouth, but she made herself too occupied to even notice my presence. I tried to strike a conversation with my elder sister Vidya, but she was eight years older than me and a stranger too. I was a baby to her and she was too busy with her studies and her friends. After staying with me for few days, my grandparents left for Tanjaur. I tried to sleep that night, but I couldn't. I missed the stories, the temple music, the dance and my friends. My world was small, but it was mine. Now I was somewhere else. I remember rice and sambar served with aplam in front of me, but I didn't feel hungry. Maybe I was acting out for the attention. God knows that I wanted it. But as time went by, I got thinner, sicker and weaker. A few months later, my amma was diagnosed with a rare blood disease. I remember watching her holding her chest and struggling to breathe as if someone had stuffed a cloth in her mouth. The medical facilities in India in those days were not so advanced and the doctors couldn't figure out what to do. One Sunday morning during my summer vacations before my 10th birthday, Amma had a stroke and her body started turning blue. Appa left to call the doctor while I stayed with her. One moment I could feel her heartbeat and the next it all went silent. She lay there on the mat with her head on my lap. I could barely move. I froze. The heaviness of her head made my left leg numb. By the time Appa reached with the doctor, it was all over. I held Appa tightly, his eyes welled up with tears. He asked me to stay with the doctor and went to the telephone booth to call my uncle and granny who had come for the vacations and my sister who stayed with them. When granny reached home, she started crying and shouting and beating her chest with both her hands. She looked at me and said, Are you happy now? You killed my daughter. 
Appa stood there in the corner of the room. He was too shattered to even react, I guess. I was confused. The ladies in the house gave Amma's dead body a bath and then draped her in a new sari. They then put a big kumkum tikka on her forehead. The pandit came by 3 p.m. and all the formalities were done by 6 p.m. in the evening. I ran to Appa when he came from the funeral. He was quiet. I asked him why granny had said that I had killed Amma. To this he replied, "Nine years ago, our family astrologer had warned us to keep you away from the family." His exact words to my mom were, "This child came to the world to kill you. Her stars are unlucky." Amma's death changed Appa. Appa spoke less and spent most of his time buried in newspaper or books. His previous tolerance of me was all the more magnified by my mom's indifference. But now that that was gone, he started to play her part as well as his own. Incredibly against all logic, my father had now started to believe the prophecy that my mom held on to all these years. Maybe he needed someone to blame for her death. When we can't explain something sometimes we automatically point the finger at someone what little connection i had with my dad started to dissolve as he drifted away school still continued to be my sanctuary and i dreaded to come back to an empty house where my amma's memories had now taken over i started to daydream visions of her constructing memories that we never had together wondering how she could have been manipulated into doing what she did imagining how a fraud astrologer could live with himself after tearing apart a family in exchange for a few hundred rupees i was a bubbling soup of emotions and i would cry at the drop of the hat yell for stupid reasons and throw tantrums out of nowhere studies didn't interest me nor did conversations with anyone except one person My sister became my confidant at this point. She urged me to tell her what was bothering me, not that she had answers to my questions, but having someone to talk to really helped. Every evening once my sister returned from college, we spoke for hours as she got busy preparing dinner. She was there to listen to me, and slowly this became my routine, and I started loving it. Few years later, Appa started searching a groom for Vidya. When he found a suitable match, he broke the news of my sister's wedding one day. The mere thought that she would go away from me brought back familiar sensations in the pit of my stomach. It was as if my heart was about to explode, but I managed to smile and congratulate my sister. The next few days I hardly spoke to anyone. My appetite was gone. and i sensed the similar feelings that encompassed me years before i wanted to talk about it to my sister but everything was eclipsed by plans about shopping sarees and malls in dubai yes that was the worst part for me that she would be 2000 kilometers away as i helped with all the wedding preparations my tantrums and mood swings increased 
conversations seemed empty and pointless there were a million thoughts running on my mind but i couldn't share it with anyone i started bunking college and spent hours traveling to marine drive which was 40 kilometers away from my college i spent huge chunks of my day sitting there staring at the waves that hit the rocks the only person who was there to listen to me went so far away i remember asking appa to loan me some money to call vidya but he refused so i stole it i didn't care how much i had to take i needed to connect with her she was busy with her new life and she told me how beautiful and wonderful dubai was i was helpless and empty again i wanted to end this pain and the only way to do it was to end my life the next day morning i took the supermax blade which my dad used for shaving and cut my wrist ah as the blood oozed i felt liberated the pain slowly subsided but i survived few months later a red dupatta came to my rescue and i tied it to the fan and tried to hang myself but i survived after two unsuccessful attempts at suicide i had no other option but to continue to live but how Every day I struggled to eat, sleep and to even do my normal tasks like brushing my teeth or combing my hair. In India, all the problems have only one solution and that is marriage. I was not ready for marriage, but the forces of our society pushed me towards it and despite all that I was going through, I did somehow manage to fall in love with an incredible person. people are complicated part of you can be content while another part of you is raging out of control we can only keep them separated temporarily we talk so much about giving love but we seldom speak about receiving love after all these years i was finally getting love but i didn't know how to reciprocate i struggled to express my love to my husband the suicidal thoughts had stuck to me like an iron to a magnet i thought it was just a passing cloud but it was a giant monster that was eating me up inch by inch every single day it didn't help that when i was married my dad told my husband about my stars being unlucky and about my mom's death my mind kept thinking of ways to end this throbbing pain I actually signed myself up for various adventurous activities like rappelling, valley crossing, ropes courses and difficult treks, knowing that sometimes there are accidents on these trips. I was trying to put myself in close proximity to disaster. I remember climbing to Echo Point at Mathiran on May 7th, 2006 and thinking how easily I could die if I just ever so slightly slipped off from the top of the hill. I wondered if it would be painless 2 months later i found out i was pregnant my friends said things will settle down when the child comes but the birth of my daughter didn't change anything fundamental for me in fact it added to my misery 
I was helpless. I couldn't manage myself. I couldn't even comb my hair properly. And here was a life totally dependent on me for every single thing. I started behaving hysterically. I remember one incident when I had to give milk to my daughter and I had to check the temperature. But I just gave it to her absent-mindedly and it was too hot. And my husband asked me, "What are you doing? Where are you? What are you thinking?" And I just flung the chair towards my husband and it broke. I started fighting all of this alone, skipping meals or at times just crying for hours. I didn't enjoy the little milestones of my daughter's young life. The mantra of ending my life clung to me like a parasite, feeding on the positive moments and sucking out the joy. Some days I imagined standing up and running up to the stairs to my terrace and jumping off. Would I fly? Some days I thought to just let go of the hand support as I stood on the footboard of the Mumbai local train. On one of my worst days, I went to the newly opened Crosswords bookstore in Mullund. I remember that there were beautiful diaries. There was soft music playing and soft cushiony sofas. The moment I held a diary in my hand, I felt the urge to write, the urge to pour out all that was bothering me all these years. I immediately picked it up and sat down. At first, I struggled to write. But as days progressed, the dam broke and words kept flowing and flowing. Writing became therapy to me, and by articulating my pain, slowly my emotions came under my control. My daughter's unconditional love kept refueling my hope. No matter how much I yelled at her, she would still come and melt away in my arms. This kind of unconditional love I hadn't received all these years. After 3 years of maintaining a journal, I started my blog and discovered that there are many people out there who have dealt with similar symptoms and are leading perfectly normal lives now. Gradually I picked up the broken pieces and with the thread of my words weaved my life again and gained control over myself as much control as any of us have most importantly i learned what it meant to forgive and to let go i learned how to transform my thoughts and interpretations of what happened to me and it was like someone took my black and white life and threw a thousand cans of paint on it When I got rid of the interpretations that other people had placed on me, my life became my own and it was more glorious than anything I had ever seen before. I even took a dance class. The memories of Tanjore were no longer eerie and lonely. Every day people read horoscopes in newspaper. I know some of us do it for fun. but it's incredible to me that some people really do believe in something like astrology to the extent that they would hand over their sense of right and wrong i think it says something about how difficult life can be for some people that they would rather blame our problems on the gravity of the planets than to take responsibility for the hearts they break in my opinion knowing yourself takes a lot of real work while knowing midheavens constellations and the fortune cookie wisdom of the zodiac takes very little maybe it all comes down to the fact that for most people astrology offers the path of least resistance 
As for me, I got lucky and found a way to navigate around the stars back towards the earth where I live. Thank you. Hey, it's Michael. We've got a small break coming up, after which we'll have a Q&A with the storyteller, so stick around. We hope you like Tall Tales Takeaway, India's first storytelling podcast. Chances are you'll want to check out the LSD cast, India's first podcast about love, sex and dating. We think you'll like it. It's a very candid chat show hosted by Prem and Rogue. Look for a love, sex, dating cast on your favorite podcast app. So guys, we some stories are easy to tell and some stories uh are not so easy to tell. I, yeah. I I can tell right now that this story <laughs> took a little bit out of you. Yes, it took a lot out of me. The first thing was this this is like a part of me which I have been safeguarding for all these years. Like you know, I haven't shared this with anyone. It was just my husband and two three friends of mine who knew it. So sharing this out was like really really a big thing for me. After you told this story, had friends of yours reached out to you? Had they known about this? No, many of my friends didn't knew about it, especially my school friends. So they had this uh, image of me like you know always smiling, laughing and you know, had the happy go lucky girl kind of. And when they heard this, this was like this this was like totally not me. So, so they were so many of my friends, actually one of my friend from uh, Australia, she actually called me. She and and she told me that i she shared my desk for 2 years like we were sitting in the same desk 8th and 9th standard and she told me that i never knew that you were going through all of this that smile hid all of this behind and and there were few teachers who emailed me some teachers called me so yes it's it's been really great to get all this love now <laughs> if you could go back and talk to your mom what what would you say to her <laughs> oh my god I don't know what would I say now perhaps I'll just say thank you perhaps I'll not say anything I'll just hug her because that's was that was one thing which I always wanted for her to like hug me uh I had a lot of questions in my mind before narrating the story I guess I had a lot of things I had thought even you know if if she, if ever I get to meet her I would ask her why did she abandon me why did she do this why did she do that but while i was writing the story somewhere you know all of those questions just faded away and now if i get a chance to meet her i'll just hug her <laughs> yeah you know one thing i always think about when i hear your story is that do you think this experience made uh made you stronger yes it did it it made me really really stronger i can't put it in the right words but Oh so now what's going to come I have faced all of this so now what and now now what happens is now this experience that I've had now when young children come to me or some friends come to me and when they approach me and tell that this is not going right in my life so now I have the ability to show them that there are so many things that are going right in their life so that that is the strength that I've got to see the brighter side of life always thank you thanks a lot Gayatri and that's the end of today's show I hope you subscribe to the podcast so you never miss a single episode. And if you do like what you heard, take a minute to rate us and share feedback and reactions on iTunes or whatever app that you listened on. We're on Facebook and Twitter of course too if you'd like to get in touch. Thanks. See you next time. 
Hey, do you have any romance or kitten stories? Hi, I'd like to medium adventure stories uh, and hold the cheese. Get me some non-fiction. Anything. Just, just get me some non-fiction. Wow, that tall tale looks so funny. I want two, please. I'll take comedy. Yeah, something funny. Romance for Prem, fame and fortune for Kirti, and a coming of age for Sunanda. Your takeaway orders are ready at counter number two. That was so fulfilling. Produced by Sonalog. 